where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. This is a little context for our love practice this morning. The scripture and reflection is going to come to you in three parts. And there will be moments where um, music will support you in whatever reflections you have at that time. Uh, time to see what the Spirit will do and, and what might be called to your attention. I also want to acknowledge um, and invite you to notice the times when you drift uh, and try to come back. And so as a, as a point of focus, as um, I'm going to put this sign up on our sanctuary wall, as a reminder that today our love practice is to remember the Africans, African Americans in this country and their experience. And we offer this practice as a way of affirming that black lives matter. And now you might have already noticed that um, depending upon how much news you watch, if you already went to all lives matter, come back to this. This sign is not exclusive of other people and their worthiness. We're just focusing on this today. And so uh, we acknowledge that all people are loved and all people matter. And our focus today on Juneteenth is that black lives matter. Juneteenth, Juneteenth is a celebration of good news. It's the good news of physical liberation. It's not complete liberation, but on that day in Galveston, Texas, in 1865, 250,000 enslaved Africans learned of their emancipation. Now, if you know history, you know that um, two months earlier, the Civil War ended. Two and a half years earlier, there was the Emancipation Proclamation signed by President Lincoln. And so this is a story of good news because there was physical liberation. The word had gotten to the enslaved Africans living in Galveston, Texas, but it's worth asking why they were there. They were there because they were sent there, because being there had them out of the reach of Union troops that were fighting further north and east. So they were sent there so that the liberation wouldn't be conveyed. It's a story of liberation that was intentionally withheld. That's not easy to hear, is it? And it's a stark reminder that laws could not make all Americans see black people as equal, as human, and as beloved. James Baldwin, who is an American writer, who was an American writer, said, if love will not swing wide the gates, 
no other power will or can. If love will not swing wide the gates, no other power will or can, because love liberates, it does not bind or control. Enslavement is an opportunity to remember that love is not always present. And so we will go to the very beginning of our Judeo-Christian scriptures, and we will remember what it says in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have stewardship over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, they were created. And I love this translation because it reminds me of an important mentor in my life who said, Male and female, God created them. Made in God's image and likeness, no distinction other than human, as distinct from the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and those that creep upon the earth. Made in God's image and likeness, equally human, equally belonging. Consider your inventory of images that have to do with Americans of African descent, and I offer you this video this morning that just tickles me, and it was shared with me a long time ago as a way of helping me to diversify my catalog and my sense of what I think of when I think of a man of African descent and his relationship with his child. So, um, Wayne, if you could show us this video. There is no sound. What a beautiful image of a father and a daughter, isn't it? And if all you saw were the ones who didn't have a parent there, I invite you to return to the image of the fathers that were there. 
and to remember that all humans are made in the image and likeness of our God, equally human, equally belonging. Let's sit with that for a moment with the support of some music. And from that place, we're going to move now to a letter that was written to the church in Corinth. It's one of those readings um, that precedes probably the most popular segment from this letter, which is called the wedding scripture. Love is patient, love is kind. This precedes it, and this comes first, and I think that makes it pretty important. Um, because this community had lost touch um, with the fact that everyone is equally human and equally belonging, and they were at odds with one another. There were power struggles going on. Uh, And so this is the image of the body of Christ, chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, 
where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as God chose. As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The body of Christ, the body as metaphor, is really unique to Paul. We see body metaphors come up often as like the head, like the head of staff, right? Or foot soldiers. So we see the body used as a metaphor, but the entire body to represent the body of Christ was something that was novel. And it illustrates well the interdependence, which is both a mutual interest and a mutual responsibility. Even in parts of the body that don't work well, we all have parts of our body that don't work the way we would like them to. And it says in that reading, the parts that are weakest need attention. And the lesser parts need to be honored because when one part is honored, all parts are honored. And so we must acknowledge that within the body of Christ, there were those who were enslaved. And there's grief around that. I mean, I want you to allow yourself to acknowledge the grief in knowing that Africans were enslaved in America and that they were denied dignity and freedom for so long. And let us lament and confess the evils of the past and the present. To understand that freedom delayed is freedom denied. And that the process of liberation continues. Rumi said, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Now I want to acknowledge that growing up in the United States, if this is your country of origin, I can't tell you that I constructed barriers, but I can tell you that I breathed the air that contained barriers. I ate from the soil that was corrupted. And so those barriers exist within me. And I had a beautiful exchange with a church member recently. His name is Steve. And uh, he had moved to a continuing care community. And for the first time in his life, he's in his 80s, for the first time in his life, he lived in a diverse community, in a community where there were people of African descent. Now, he would tell you, and he told me, I was never taught to treat anybody differently. But I noticed that when I was interacting 
with people of African descent, I was surprised at how nice they were. And I was surprised at fill in the blank. It's the surprise that helps us to see what the barriers that have been constructed entail and what they keep out, what they have kept out. That's why love gets closer and leans in. Because that proximity that Brian Stevenson talks about so well will bump up against the barriers. And the surprise will melt away the bricks and mortar. And that's what we're going for. Open your heart was a beautiful line in Kurt's song this morning. And that's what love does. So with Steve's story and your own story in mind, let's see what the Spirit will do with us in this time of helping us to see some of the barriers that we have lived with and live with still. We are called to act with justice. We are called to love tenderly and fiercely. We are called to serve one another and to walk humbly with our God. A way of life that was so beautifully demonstrated for us in the life of Jesus as it's recorded in the New Testament, the newer of the Testaments. And if you're familiar with the Gospel of Luke, you know that in the fourth chapter, Jesus arrives at the synagogue on the day of Sabbath, as was his practice, 
And he was given a scroll to read, and the scroll came from the prophet Isaiah. And this scroll really gave voice to the work that he was called to, to the liberating love that Jesus poured out his life for. And rather than read it to you from the Gospel of Luke, I'm going to read it to you from the prophet Isaiah. And this is the 61st chapter. Listen to this as a job description. The Spirit of God is upon me because God has anointed me and sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of God's favor, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display God's glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And we skip now to verse 11. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is that arc of righteousness and justice that I think Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about it when he said that it bends toward justice, the arc of history bends towards justice, not without a lot of pulling, but it does, because that's the work of God's Spirit. In other places it comes out as, my word will not return to me until it is fulfilled. If I have spoken it, it will be fulfilled. It will not return to me empty. This is the work that we are called to. And Jesus has gone before us and is with us still, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. There's so much scripture that comes to encourage us and to remind us of what is needed. Because working for and towards the dismantling of racist structures, whether they're personal or collective, the structures, the policies, and the beliefs it's holy work. It's the work of God's Spirit. And the 21st century, within our lifetime, has seen an overwhelming resurgence and reemergence of white supremacist ideas and ideals. I cannot think of a graver betrayal 
of the body of Christ than supremacist ideas and ideals. I cannot think of a graver betrayal of God's creation, of the creation of human beings, equally human, equally belonging, than supremacist ideas and ideals. Juneteenth is a day to commit to this work of freeing all beings from the bonds of complicity, complacency, and silence. Even if you go from this place, whichever place you are in right now, and say, this morning we did something very different in church. We looked at Juneteenth, and we looked at scripture, and we looked at the ways that we are needing to be liberated by love and to liberate with love. And here's what that experience was like for me. I wonder what those conversations might be like. In the Reverend Dr. Anthony Scott's email, uh, he gave us the gathering words this morning. He also suggested some hymns, and he suggested that we sing Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is known by some as um, a black anthem, and it is. But before we sing it today, I want you to hear the music. And then as you are able, you will stand, you'll see Kirk will come up, and he'll lead us in this singing. But I want us this morning to have that experience of joining our voices with our siblings of African descent and to feeling what leaning in with love might be like and what it might be like to continue in our reflections, not just today, but in the weeks to come, to remember and to live the notion and the truth that black lives matter. Mm -hmm. 